prevent the spread of coronavirus we is to wash your hands. thing that just surprised the whole world. Wash your hands! People would have known about it. Hey, how you guys doing? It's uh, Pastor Josh here, and I'm so glad to be able to come into your homes this morning. I know this is not an ideal situation, uh, but we're trying to sort of roll with the punches and this whole thing. But today's a Sunday of celebration. And in spite of the fact that we would love to be together, we still want to celebrate together, even if it's remotely. And if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. Normally, we would have you raise your hand and we'd give you a big round of applause. But I just want to recognize that you're here. And I'm so happy that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. Uh, I would ask you that if you're watching this through YouTube uh, or on Facebook, just uh, on the description below or on the comments, actually, just write down, hey, I'm here for the first time. Give us your name, and I promise that when we meet together again physically, we're going to give you a gift, and we're going to make you feel right at home. And so uh, a couple of things that I want to say before uh, we get started here is I would love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, that way you'll be able to uh, get the content in the moment when uh, we drop it. And also uh, there's a kids section. And there's also a youth section. So in the, in the description below, uh, if you have kids that are with you right now or if um, you have uh, youth that is with you and you would like to access content from our church that is specific for your age group, go ahead and push that right now. And this is uh, specifically for you. Sound good? So as I was saying earlier, this is a Sunday of celebration. And even though I am all by myself in this space, it is a Sunday of celebration. And it's not even Sunday right now as I'm recording this. It's actually Saturday. Uh, but in my mind, it is Sunday because I know this is when you're watching it. But we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want to take you uh, to the scripture uh, where it describes this moment. It's Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. It says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? I'm going to read that again. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, 
The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be risen, be raised, excuse me, be raised again. Then, listen to this, then they remembered his words. So today I want to talk to you about the subject, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? So we're going to go to our church announcements real quick, and then we'll continue with this message. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team here at Downey First Christian, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for April 12th, Easter Sunday. Sunday, our church is growing in love for God through our online service. We are encouraged by seeing pictures of families sitting down together to participate in that week's sermon, communion, and worship. But did you know that there are more ways to grow in your love for God? Each week, Carrie, our children's ministry director, provides a video lesson and printable activity sheet for families to engage together and discuss. And for the youth, our student ministry director, Francis, uploads a message of encouragement. You can find both and so much more on our website, downyfirst.org, by clicking on the COVID-19 link at the top. How are you celebrating Easter? In this week's mailer, you have received five invitation cards to give to neighbors, so they know that Easter is still being celebrated, even if the celebration has moved online. Leave each one on a neighbor's doorstep so they can join in to participate in the message of hope and encouragement that Jesus is alive. It is one of the best ways you can show love towards others this week. If you haven't received any mail from us, send your address to sarah at downyfirst.org and we will make sure to send you our weekly packet. Our church's physical doors may be closed, but we are continuing to serve the world. Our commitments to our missions partners continue as we send money for them to remain faithful in feeding and caring for the least of these around the world. Our staff and leaders are working hard to stay in touch with our church family, providing resources and meeting needs through this global pandemic. And the reach of our food bank continues to grow as we served over 240 families on April 4th, which is double what an average Saturday would look like. We are thankful to God because he continues to provide through you, our church family, to meet these needs. Please continue to pray, to reach out, and to give so that many more will come to know the love of God. You can give through our website, downyfirst.org, or by texting 562-521-8400. Let us remain faithful in both prayer and in generosity for our church and community. See you next time. All right, let me start off with a question. Have you ever been looking for something and then you end up finding something else that you didn't know was there? Like, for example, you're looking for, you're looking for your keys, you're looking for your keys everywhere, and all of a sudden you find this phone charger that you didn't know was there. You're like, man, I've been looking for this thing forever, and all of a sudden it appears. Have you ever gone into the grocery store, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go get detergent, and then you end up realizing that when you're inside the grocery store, there's like 10 items that you forgot that you needed? Or maybe you're looking through an old photo album, and you're looking through pictures, and you're like, man, I totally forgot about this picture. You see, I think that is true uh, for all of us. But what is also true as in the sense of us looking for something and all of a sudden finding something that we didn't know was there is also true for the women in the scripture that we were just reading. You see, they walked in into the tomb and they saw that there was a stone 
that was rolled away. They walked in. They did not see the body of Jesus in there, but somehow they didn't put two and two together. It never even crossed their minds that Jesus had risen from the dead. In fact, John 20 verse 2 says, this is um, when Mary went to Peter and John. It says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put them. They didn't even think about the fact that it had been prophesied earlier that Jesus was going to rise again, even though they had the evidence right in front of them. Even though Jesus told them, he told, he told them on the third day, I will be risen again. He says that in all four Gospels. And so it seems so strange that they would, that they would have forgotten this, right? I mean, it seems so strange because the, the resurrection, at least from our perspective, is such a cornerstone in everything that we believe. But somehow for them, it was like, no, this, I don't believe that this could ever happen. Because in the midst of the teachings and the healings and the miracles, and then Jesus uh, teaching, eat my flesh, drink my blood, in the midst of all the things, all the whirlwind of, of different things that was going on in the life of Jesus, you know, the crowds afterwards, they started to thin out, and then he was arrested, and then he was crucified. And at the end, in his crucifixion, it was almost like it was all over. And they forgot about the main thing that Jesus had prophesied about himself. In fact, John says that, that not only did it not cross their minds, but when Mary saw Jesus, like when Jesus actually revealed himself to Mary, that she didn't even recognize him. So John 20 talks about this. It's really interesting because John 20 verse 14 says, At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Women, Woman, why are you crying? Who is this you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. So it didn't even cross her mind the possibility that he would have risen from the dead. So the assumption was somebody took the body. Like she walked in, there's like somebody took the body. Didn't even think about the possibility that maybe he would have risen from the dead. So the idea of the resurrection was so far removed from her mind that she didn't even recognize Jesus when she saw him right in front of him and she confused him with the gardener. Have you ever been confused with someone else? It used to happen to me always when I, when I was little. I was a teenager. I was a late bloomer. And uh, I'm not proud of this, but I would get confused with a girl a lot. And every time they would addressed me as a girl, I, was, I felt so incredibly offended. But Jesus, being the Son of God, gets confused with the garden, and him being Jesus, of course, he's, he's okay with it. But the whole idea is, is that they were so far removed from the idea that he would have risen from the dead that didn't, they didn't even recognize them when they saw Jesus physically right in front of her right in front of them. And what's, what's true for the women was also true for the disciples. You see, when, when, the, when the women finally were able to see that it was actually Jesus, when Jesus actually reveals the fact that it is him, they go to the disciples in Luke 24, uh, verse 11, and they tell him, we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus, but it says, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. So even the disciples were like, no, it's impossible. Like he didn't rise from the dead, even though it was prophesied and they had the evidence right in front of them. There's another episode with the disciples where 
where Jesus is walking with two of the disciples. We find this in John uh, chapter 24. They walk with Jesus for seven miles and they did not realize that it was Jesus that was with them until later they stopped for dinner and they realized that the person that they were talking to was actually Jesus. But the point is the resurrection didn't even cross their minds. They had forgotten. Now, from our perspective, we can look back at the empty tomb and it seems obvious. I mean, in retrospect, it seems like how could they not understand what was going on? I mean, the empty tomb would have obviously meant to us that he rose from the dead. If Jesus was talking to me, you might say, I would never confuse him with the gardener. I would know exactly who was talking to me. I would never assume when I get to the, to the, um, to the tomb that somebody took the body. I would look at it and immediately I would put two and two together. I'm like, he rose from the dead just like he prophesied. It wouldn't take me seven miles being with Jesus right next to me in order for me to realize that it was actually Jesus who was with me. However, I think we can be critical of the disciples. We can be critical of the, of the women. But I believe that what is true for them can be also true for us. You see, Jesus to us, he can make, he, he can make us promises. And we think about these promises of God. And they just seem so unlikely that when they actually come to pass, they can be right in front of us. But we're not able to see them for what they are. Which, which brings me back to the, to the very question that the that the angels asked the women. I ask you that very question. Why do you look for, for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You see the image of, of these women uh, inside this empty tomb and, and kind of looking around. That is such a powerful image to me. Because no matter how much you look, you could be looking around, just moving things around, trying to find life, but there is nothing there. You see, what's true for the women can also be true for us. Some, some of us may be looking in these quote-unquote empty tombs where there's actually no life, but we keep looking and looking and looking and through success, through trying to find hope and purpose and meaning. Maybe, maybe you need today for someone to, to tell you that the tomb that you are looking in is empty. Maybe you need someone to to tell you today that you need to stop looking for the living among the dead. You see, we can be critical of the women and looking out because it seems so obvious to us that there's no life there. He rose from the dead. And we can be critical of people in our lives as well. We can say, obviously, there's no life in that relationship. That relationship is an empty tomb. Obviously, there's no life in that addiction. That addiction is an empty tomb. Obviously, there's no life in looking for fame and recognition. Those are empty tombs. It can be easy for us to see that in other people and tell them that is an empty tomb that you are looking in. But here's what the, the woman needed. These women, they needed to be reminded. They needed to be reminded of something that was already true, something that they had already heard before. And maybe the same is true for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to be reminded. You need to be reminded that there's no life in that empty tomb that you're looking in. That there's no life there. That Jesus has already risen from the dead. Now, maybe you're here and you just need to be reminded that the, the resurrection story is not just a metaphor. 
Maybe you're here to be reminded that the, that the resurrection story is an actual real story. And here's, here's something that really helps me when I think about the resurrection and it seems like such, a, such an amazing thing. I'm like, man, I wonder if that was even true. It's this. I heard someone say this once. He said this. He says, you see, historically, when you, when you kill the leader of a movement, you kill the movement. Like, like you kill the leader of a movement and the movement is, is normally over. And that's true historically, but it's also true biblically. You see, in, in Acts chapter 5, we realize that, that there were other people before Jesus that called themselves the Messiah. And so, and so they would gain a following and then they would kill the leader of that following and then the movement was over. And this happened several times. Now, when Jesus comes, he gains a following he feeds the 5,000. He feeds the 4,000. He, he, he raises people, you know, from the dead. He does all these miracles, you know, and then his popularity starts to wane down and then people start to thin out. And then at the end of the day, when he, when he gets arrested, all the disciples leave him and then he's only left with Peter who's kind of watching at a distance. And by the time he's dead, he's all alone. And then the women go to his grave and they're expecting for for there to be just a dead man there. So the movement was over. And so the logic was, well, this happened again, right? We killed the leader of the movement. The movement is over. And it was true for everyone. Everyone left him. It was the end. However, what happened with Jesus was, was, was totally different. You see, if he didn't raise from the dead, then how do you explain that all of a sudden the church explodes? And it, and it turns into the biggest movement the world has ever seen all across the world. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then, then how do you explain that 11 out of the 12 disciples were martyred? They would have had to die knowing that they were dying for a lie. You see, that just doesn't add up. And we see it even to, to this day. We see, we see crosses everywhere. Hey, we in the place where they used to feed Christians to the lions in, in the, the Roman Colosseum, there are crosses everywhere now representing the resurrection of Jesus. That is an amazing thing. There is no explanation other than something amazing happening like a resurrection that would explain what happened. Because when you kill the leader of a movement, you kill the movement. And unless Jesus rose from the dead, you can't explain this any other way. That's why uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And so maybe, maybe you're here and you, you just need to be reminded that the resurrection story was an actual real story in history. But maybe you're here and you need to be reminded that the resurrection story is not just the story of Jesus' resurrection, but it's also your resurrection story. You see, maybe you're here, and like I was saying earlier, you've been looking for the living among the dead, and it is time for you to grasp that the resurrection story is also supposed to be your resurrection story. So back to the women. They go, and they're trying to they're, they're expecting, because they're, they're taking spices. They're, they're expecting to see a dead body. They, they find the stone rolled away. And then the men ask them the question that I want to ask you again today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has 
risen. You see that in the same way that these women were looking for Jesus where he was not there. You may be looking for something in a place where you are not going to find it. I've talked about this before. Many of us were seeking, actually all of us are seeking basically the same thing and that's peace. Shalom, this Hebrew word that, that's, that's this whole idea of completion, of, of having everything you need, of being satisfied, of being content. That's what we're all searching for. But where are you searching it at? What's that place that you're looking for it in? Religion, success, relationship, finances, addictions? Those are all empty tombs. So the search for the living in our lives, the search for peace is a legitimate search. But there are many empty tombs that we can be looking in where we will not find life. So, so like the women, maybe you need to be reminded today. Luke 24 verse 6 says this very interesting. It says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then verse 8 says this beautiful thing. It says, then they remembered his words. Brothers and sisters, maybe you just need to be reminded today. Maybe you need to be reminded because this wasn't new information for them. It was a reminder. And maybe that is also true for you today. It is possible that you have been looking into an empty tomb where he is not there. So my question is this. What is that empty tomb that you are looking in? And I'll say this. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? So I'm going to end with this. The, the, the sacrifice of Jesus was, was an excruciating experience. Some of you guys are familiar with this. We've seen the passion of the Christ. And there's this moment in, in Gethsemane where Jesus is, is sweating drops of blood. And, and this is actually a medical condition. It's called hematidrosis, which is that your skin, your skin gets very tender. And, and uh, the, 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 uh, the, your skin starts bleeding a little bit. And, and uh, your, 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 your blood mixes up with sweat. And it makes your, your, your skin hurt very, very, very bad. And then in this condition, Jesus was taken and he was tortured. You know, the Romans, they were experts in torture. They, they, torture was, you know, created by the Greeks, but the Romans perfected torture. And so the goal was for the person being tortured not to die. It was actually the opposite, to be able to extend his life in suffering as long as possible. And that's what they did with our Lord Jesus. And he was, he was tortured and he was, he was whipped with what they call the cat of nine tails, which is nine strips of leather. And on the tips, it had either, either bone or it had rock or it had metal. And, the, and it, he, would, he would get whipped on his back and in different parts of his body. And, and these, these pieces of, of metal would latch on to his skin and they would pull it out. And many people wouldn't survive this, um, this part of the torture because they would bleed to death. And then Jesus would you know, carry his cross for one and a half miles. It was a 300 pound cross. And then he was nailed to the cross and his hands and his feet were nailed. His feet were nailed together. And then he suffocated after six hours of excruciating pain. And, and then in John 19, it says it is finished. And so, so we know that that is not the end of the story 
of Jesus. We know that. But it's also not the end of your story. You see, his resurrection is also our resurrection. And so like, like Mary, maybe you have the resurrected Jesus in front of you. Like Mary, he had, she had the resurrected Jesus in front of her, but she had fixated on the death of Jesus. That way she wasn't able to recognize the resurrected Jesus that was right in front of her. And that is possible that you're going through that right now. You have been focusing on the death of Jesus, which is not able, which doesn't allow for you to see the resurrected Jesus. You are stuck in the empty tomb and Jesus has risen. And this is true for you as well. We need to understand that we serve a risen Christ and that we need to stop looking for the living among the dead. And so what is that for you? And it is time for you to take your eyes off of the death and on to the risen Christ. And this is my invitation for you today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life uh, this morning. But, but before I do that, we're going to do a prayer. But before I do that, I just want to, to make sure that, that, that you understand what I believe your next step is as we continue. We're going through a time of pandemic and I, I'm, we're going to start a brand new series next Sunday at the same time. And it's called Hope in Strange Times because we all need hope. We're looking for hope. We're seeking for hope. These are strange times and it's very confusing. And so I want to invite you to continue this. This is sort of the introduction of this whole series of hope. Hope in Strange Times. And so I want to, I want to invite you to connect with us next Sunday and also the following Sundays until we come back together uh, physically in this series as we're working this out and trying to find hope together. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I want to invite you to do that right now. So we're, I'm going to do a prayer and I'm going to ask you in a moment to pray with me. So if you will bow, bow your heads and I want to ask you if you will um, just hold the hand of the person next to you. you and we're, going to, we're going to pray together. So let's take this moment because maybe you're here, like I said earlier, and you need a resurrection in your life. Maybe today you just needed to be reminded of the veracity of the resurrection story. But maybe you're here and you also just needed to be reminded that what is true for the women can also be true for you in the sense that you may be focusing on the death of Jesus when you need to be focusing on his resurrection and what's true historically is also true in your life. You've discovered maybe there are empty tombs that you're looking in and you need to focus now on the risen Christ and to be able to find life in the only place where you will actually find it and it is in Jesus. And so if you're here and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to ask you to, to repeat this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. It's a short prayer. It says this, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I know you rose from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life. Lord God, we thank you so much for this moment that we share, Lord, and we thank you for your resurrection, and we thank you because it's not only a historical event, but it's also true for us in our lives, and we thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for those who have made you the Lord of their life. I pray that they will be guided by you and that we'll be able to walk this journey together as we find hope in the midst of all these strange times that we're living in. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We celebrate your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So how about if you uh, now join Pastor Mark as he guides us in uh, a time of communion? Well, good morning and happy Easter to all of you. 
My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and I have the honor this morning of leading us through a time of communion here on Resurrection Day. As you heard in the message earlier, Pastor Josh asked a question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And we know what the answer is. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. He has risen. That's the good news of Easter Sunday. But yet, even though we know that good news, we still continue to focus on the events of Good Friday. We still continue to discuss his death. We still continue to take communion. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about why we do those things. Let's look at the Gospel of Luke. Let's turn back the clock before the events of Holy Week took place. Prior to the betrayal and the Last Supper, crucifixion and the resurrection. Let's look at chapter 18 where we read Jesus telling his disciples these words. He says, everything written by the prophet about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be turned over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. But then on the third day, he will rise again. Now, just to be clear, this is Jesus telling his disciples in advance, what's going to happen to him in his coming months, maybe even in the coming days. Three different times in the New Testament, Jesus spoke to his followers about his ensuing death and resurrection. Then, after all of it actually happened, on Easter, at the site of the empty tomb, the angels told the women... And in essence, they're telling the entire world that what had just taken place is exactly as Jesus said it would happen. Everything concerning Jesus was part of God's plan all along. You see, God's plan meant that the Son of God willingly left heaven to come down to earth. It meant that the Son of God humbly lived as a human being. It meant that the Son of God knowingly gave himself over to death because the Son of God knew it was all part of God's perfect plan for the redemption of sinful man. Look, I hate to say this, but God's wrath is against us because we live in sin, which makes us an enemy of God. And as a sinner, or as his enemy, we have separated ourselves from God for all of eternity. However, God loved us so much that he provided a way back to him. He had a plan all along to reconcile sinful people back to himself. But God's plan meant that a perfect sacrifice had to be made, had to die in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus did not deserve his fate on the cross. He didn't deserve it one bit. But he went there because it was all part of God's design. Now I know it grieves our hearts to think of the cross and all that took place on it, but it had to be like that. Only death can satisfy, satisfy the wrath of God. Either we had to die or Jesus had to die for us. Those were the options that were given. And all this is what Jesus had said must happen because it was God's plan. Now, every Sunday and certainly every Easter Sunday, we are reminded that Jesus is alive. But in order to have a resurrection, there must first be a death. 
And since the resurrection of Christ gives validity to Jesus' life and his death, it also makes the things that he said true. So we should pay great attention to his teachings and to his commands, one of which relates to the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read about Jesus having a final meal with his disciples. And this is what is said as concerning his instructions to them. 1 Corinthians 11 says, On the night when the Lord Jesus was handed over to be killed, he took bread and gave thanks for it. Then he divided the bread and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And they ate the bread. Jesus took the cup. He said, This cup represents the new agreement from God, which begins with my blood sacrifice. When you drink this cup, remember me. And then it goes on to say, this means that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling others about the Lord's death until he comes again. So we get ready to share in a time of taking communion together. When we hold the bread and the cup, I want you to focus and think about and be thankful for Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Will you bow your heads and please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for the opportunity that we have to gather together as a church here online and be able to take communion together. Lord, as we remember the emblems here on a Sunday, on a special day, on Resurrection Day, pray that you will help us to remember and keep focused on the fact that Jesus is alive. As I said, in order to have a resurrection, there had to be a death first. Help us to remember what that death was all about and the sacrifice, the great sacrifice that took place for our behalf so that we could be reconciled with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for providing a plan for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, take the bread that you have or whatever you are taking to represent the body of Christ and take it in your hand. And as we put it in our mouths and take it together, remember the sacrifice of Jesus' body given for us. Take the bread. And then as you take the cup or whatever it is that you have in front of you that has the juice in it, I'd ask that you hold it. And as you get ready to drink this, I pray that you will remember the sacrifice of Jesus' blood that was poured out for us on the cross. Take the cup. I just want to remind you that because Jesus is alive, we should never forget why he had to die in the first place. That's what communion is all about. But because of Easter, I also want you to hold on to the hope and never forget that it is available to all of us because of God's perfect plan that played out on this earth here 2,000 years ago. I pray that you have a great rest of your Easter day. God bless. <laughs>